and we are going live in three, two, one. Let's hit it. With the Eat Lift Loose Show, and it's episode 63 with myself, Chris. And me, Brad. And we've got a, another guest this week uh, who goes by the name of Rosie Tarbuck. And just say thanks uh, for joining us this morning because it's pretty early on a Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> so full credit to you for agreeing to do this in the first place. Um, rather than me waffling on about who you are and kind of what you do, do you want to give us kind of a little bit of your background story of kind of who you are, what you're up to and kind of what you do in life? Yeah, sure. So good morning, guys. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for letting me drink coffee during this because otherwise <laughs> would not be happening. Um, so I'm Rosie. I am 26. Um, I'm a doctor. I've been a doctor for three years now. And I'm also a figure competitor. Um, I compete in the BMBF and UKDFBA. Um, and I've been competing now for three years as well. Um, I'm based in Glasgow at the moment, and I'm also studying MAC Nutrition. Um, so I started that in March. Nice. So yeah, quite a lot going on. <laughs> nice. How did you, um, how comes you're doing nutrition? Like what, what made you decide to go into nutrition and kind of what is your goal with that? So I think when you're kind of at medical school, it's great and you learn loads about loads and loads of conditions that you will never see and an awful lot <laughs> that you'll never use but I'm pretty sure I had one lecture on nutrition that basically told me what a carbohydrate was um, and I think that was about the extent of our nutrition knowledge um, especially now that I've gone into general practice the kind of lack of awareness of the importance of diet and nutrition in the general population was quite terrifying to me yeah and just simple things really simple things that people would come and ask you about that despite you know quite easily accessible information out there they really had no idea about and I sort of found myself quite frustrated that my knowledge also wasn't that great and that although you know, I can I can do diets for competitions and I understand that side of things. Actually, my own background was pretty poor. So I thought it was a pretty good way to tie that into my day-to-day job. Um, and I think the other thing is often people will come to the doctor wanting a quick fix or a pill. And I mean, one of the most common questions I get is, doctor, I just want to lose some weight from a holiday or I want to lose some weight from a wedding and I've got you know six weeks ten weeks to do that and they haven't sort of thought about the long term they haven't thought about the basic things they can change and they've got no idea how to do that and I'd much rather go go away leaving somebody with a plan that they can use for the rest of their lives in terms of lifestyle than a couple of tablets for something. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of where that came from. And it's it's been amazing so far. Really, really good. So that's interesting. Since you've um, started that, what's been well what was your approach to the your patients that came in and said, I wanna lose weight for a holiday or wedding, blah 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 blah. What was your approach before and what is your approach now since starting the uh, the nutrition course? I think my approach my approach back then was very much, you know, you need to eat a bit less, move a bit more. Um, and I would kind of not, wouldn't scare them, but a lot of doctors do this, take their blood pressure, take their cholesterol, put them on the scales and say, oh my goodness, going to put you into my risk calculator here these are the happy faces these are the sad faces <laughs> in 10 years time you're going to be a sad face and um, that sort of thing which yeah will kind of shock them into trying to change but then they'd come back in two weeks and say right okay so I've not had any butter I've only been having you know my bread and my sandwiches or I've only been having the vodka with no coke and you're like <laughs> okay great I mean that is a step but yeah. actually it was the basics of nutrition 
And I also think the hard thing for people is there's so much diet advice out there about a low fat diet in this magazine or the seven day shred diet in this magazine. And these people will buy into that, do it for a couple of weeks, get some results, but not have actually learned anything. Yep. So I think now what I try and do is get people to keep a diet diary, come back to me, and we can talk about simple change and sort of getting into a routine, getting a basic breakfast that they like. Yep. Packing is and then options they can have for dinner, options they can have for weekends. Um but one of the biggest challenges with that is at the moment I work in Paisley, um, which I'm not sure if you know Glasgow so but it's it's quite a deprived area. Right. Um, oh. All right. And you can't you can't really say to someone, this is your optimal diet. I want you to be having, you know, cashew nuts and I want you to be having salmon and I want you to be having only organic this, that and the other. Because actually, like some of these people are, you know, struggling to put clothes on their kids. Yeah. I can't say to somebody, this is optimal. This is what you should be doing. When actually they're struggling to buy a pint of milk. So it's also about understanding your patients and your clients as well, understanding the optimal and what they can actually achieve are often not the same thing. Yep. And trying, and trying to balance that. And I think actually a lot of PTs maybe go wrong there as well. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys have had that. You've seen PT say, right, you need to prep five, six meals a day. This is what they need to be. And you've got someone that's like, cool, I've got three kids. I've got two jobs. And, I, you know, my life is so chaotic. How on earth am I going to do that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, all the time. I think that's like most of our clients. Uh, um, like, yes, you'll get the odd one client that will go, oh, yeah, I can do that, um, which is great. Like, if you want to do it, do it. But nine times out of ten, they're... They're going to struggle and a lot of their dinners are either leftovers of what their kids are eating or it's the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. And they'll then feel like an instant failure because they can't live up to this sort of perfect diet that you're adopting or that you're preaching to them. Yeah. And And actually, like, a chicken sandwich and a healthier version of a meal deal at Tesco is probably not that much worse for them than, you know, this perfectly weighed out prepped chicken salad that you've brought. No, exactly. And Um, it's kind of understanding that, I think. Yeah. It's, I suppose from your point of view, it's quite a bit of a tricky one because you've got to kind of understand for their point of view and give them the best option that they can work with, right? Exactly, exactly. And again, it's about giving people options. I mean, I think if you go back kind of 50, 100 years, a lot of people would come to see the doctor wanting an answer or wanting to be told what to do. Yeah. And to leave the consultation thinking, right, the doctor said this, this is what I'll go and do. Whereas now it's more like a shared a shared consultation. So people come to me and we'll discuss what they want. And often people have either knowledge or they've Googled everything under the sun. <laughs> um, Sounds like my mum, that one. Yeah, and I have six types of cancer, are probably going to die next week. And yeah. they need one drug that they find, and if you don't give it to them, then they're going to leave. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's the flip side. That's the flip side. Um, but it is definitely more about showing people that it's a lifestyle, and we are all living longer, and we're going to be here a lot longer. And it's about trying to make some changes now that we'll be happy that we did in 30 years' time. Yeah. yeah. And Maybe I think that's the hardest thing. <clears throat> How do you find kind of managing all of that within like a 15 minute window? Because I'm sure you don't get that long with any of your GP clients that come into surgery. Yeah. Um, so how do you manage to like get all of that information and then relay some options to them in that such a short time frame? 
it's that's the biggest challenge of general practice because you don't know what's going to walk in the door um, yeah. and often you'll think this will be straightforward and then it ends up taking a lot longer than you think it will open the door surprise <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> it's always on the way out the door. Oh, Roger, can you look at this massive leaking wound as well? Yeah, great. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's almost like being on blind date every day at work. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like a really odd advent calendar, but you're not always wanting to open the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. So, I think the way that I approach it is patients know they have a limited amount of time. So, usually they are quite good if I need to move them on to talk about certain things if it's something like a more lifestyle based goal what I'll do is I'll give them options to go away and think about some easy changes they can put in in the next week or so and then I'll get them to come back and see me so that we can assess it and keep it going because continuity of care is the beauty of general practice when I worked in A&E you know I'd fix somebody and then I would probably never see them again you know, yeah. I just have a couple of hours to sort it out. And that, that was quite frustrating because you never you never knew what happened. Yeah. You know, whereas I can have people back and we can talk about things and I'm an accessible resource for them, which I think is really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's how I would deal deal with the time pressure. But as I said, some things yes lovely and straightforward and some things you just have to put the time in yeah yeah. Uh, i suppose you've got compared to the a and e stuff now you've got that opportunity to start to build that trust and that relationship up with the client exactly and that can be quite difficult when you're new as well because a lot of my patients will have been seeing the same gp for many years and then all of a sudden it's all of these problems they have to talk about with somebody new again, which I think is quite challenging for anyone to then go and to change everything, all of their trust. Same way as changing a coach. It's somebody that knows your body, knows your diet, knows when you slip up and, oh, they're going on holiday, so they're probably going to freak out. So this is what we need to do. They can preempt all of these things. Yeah. Really with a new, a fresh pair of eyes, it's good because I'll probably do things a bit differently to somebody else. But at the same time, they're probably coming in thinking, what's this wee blonde girl doing? Where's my other doctor? Like, <laughs> sake, I don't want to have her examine me. What's going on here? You know? <laughs> so it's, it is hard to get trust in the first instance. Yeah, no, it completely makes sense. Yeah. Um, people like to have that familiarity and consistency over time. Um, so rolling the clock back a few years, um, what actually got you into becoming a doctor? Like what struck a chord? It must've been quite young because obviously you've got to do so many years of education and practice. What kind of struck a yeah. chord of you that went, oh, I actually want to become a doctor? That's a tricky one. I actually can't remember exactly when I decided. Um, I was always super busy at school in that I did about a thousand extracurricular activities and things. Um, and I was doing all the right exam grades anyway. Yeah. Your basic sciences. But I actually wanted to be a vet for years. Um, and I think I remember standing in a vet's practice. I used to go every Wednesday after hockey and help out. And um, just thinking, oh, I wish that hamster could tell me what, how it's feeling. I wish... <laughs> you know these animals can actually tell me what was wrong this is so frustrating i wish i was dr doolittle <laughs> exactly exactly um and after that i sort of went away and thought maybe i should think about medicine so i did a couple of weeks shadowing various places and just loved it um loved the variety loved the challenge and getting to work with people and sort of didn't look back from there so kind of the extreme of the animals of uh... In, exactly. in, a, in a way the giant hamsters <laughs> is that how you yeah. see them and your patients when they walk in <laughs> just big just hamsters like... <laughs> go jump on the wheel for five minutes <laughs> exactly <laughs> on the hamster wheel brilliant um do you are you working with any clients outside of your 
GP stuff? Are you kind of working with anything while you're studying? I'm not just now, but that will be the plan towards the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I haven't decided yet whether I want to do prep clients or not. Probably not, because as a prep client myself, I think the mental side that comes with that is a lot, as opposed to just the diet and training. It's yeah. the mental yeah side of that is quite difficult to take on and I think unless you're quite an experienced coach and you're happy doing that it's quite taxing yep um but that will be the plan uh, my boyfriend is a personal trainer as well so whether or not I do something joint with him is also an option yeah so we'll see that'd be pretty cool um so yeah. let's let's delve a little bit into that then so how did you get into figure competing and why did you decide you know that you wanted to do it talk to us a little bit about that and essentially talk to us for those who don't know what is figure competing i don't have a clue if i'm honest <laughs> cool so so figure is basically it's very similar to a bikini competition however figure is a bit more muscular so you need to have we call it an X frame, so you need kind of more cap shoulders, wide hips, good legs, and you need to be a bit leaner than bikini as well. So it's a more muscular form, and you'll also do a kind of individual routine to music on stage as well as your mandatory poses. Okay. Um. So that's kind of a quick difference. It's kind of a step up from bikini. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it, it appealed to me because I like feeling and looking strong and um, not the bikini girls aren't a lot of bikini girls are like freakishly strong but um, I'm also not very girly so it was more attractive to me mm -hmm. that makes um, sense. so that's what I do and I do natural bodybuilding so it's drug tested and polygraph tests and things like that and again that's just a personal preference thing Um I'm not against kind of anabolics or anything it's just for me it's not the right personally for you it's the right now. way yeah. to go exactly makes sense um, so i got into competing three years ago i'd come from a background of multiple sports so i was a long distance runner and i coached um the newcastle uni team while i was down there um, oh, cool. so i did kind of half marathons cross country all that kind of stuff um, but at that time, I became quite unwell with anorexia and I've got a kind of stress-induced pelvic fracture from basically having knee bones left from not eating and running a lot. Nice. <laughs> so that sort of was quite a turning point for me um, and that was at the end of university. So that finished my running career completely and... I needed to get myself strong again. So I was like, right, okay, we'll go to the gym. And I hated it. I used to go and I used to do body pump twice a week. And then I'd try and go once a week. And I remember going in and picking up some, I think they were four kilo dumbbells and watching a girl next to me and being like, right, I'm going to do what she's doing. And she was doing bicep curls, something like that. And being like, bloody hell, this is the heaviest thing in the entire world. <laughs> This is awful. I'm going home. And it was really, I found it really difficult to get into. Um, I was going out with a personal trainer, a different one. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> in, in Newcastle at the time. And he was like, right, I'll take you around the gym and I'll show you some basic things. Too. And I was like, oh, fine, if we have to. So we kind of started doing that and slowly... I started to notice myself changing. As I was putting weight on, my body just looked completely different. And for the first time, I actually liked getting a bit bigger and I liked having a bit of muscle I could see. And I actually put muscle on quite easily in the first year. Um, it didn't take me that long to put on enough muscle. Like I'm tiny, so yeah. on my face, it looked quite different. And... Then I kind of moved up. When I moved up to Scotland, I got in touch with a couple of different people who did compete, went to watch some shows and just fell in love with it. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. So you just kind of 
like picked the picked up the love for training once you found out kind of what you need to kind of be doing or what you know when you were shown what to do yeah exactly I think once I kind of we started with the basic movements I mean I couldn't even lift a barbell over my head to put it on my back at the time so once I was a bit stronger it was like the basic movement patterns and then what you kind of needed to do for each body part but then also how you'd organize that if you only had three sessions or four sessions a week yeah yeah and I just got really interested in how I could get myself stronger. And I think, it, I don't know, it is quite addictive. I have a very addictive personality. <laughs> I was like, right, I'm going to get strong. And I just loved it. And it was quite therapeutic for me at the time. And it still is. I mean, I still get, like, I get butterflies every time before I train. And I train twice a day, which is a bit sad, but twice I a day well wow. I haven't lost that I've, I've still not lost that I love I just love being in the gym and I love training now um and it's total kind of mind mind shift I think yeah for me I can I can see that and what's your um let's talk a little bit about your training what's your uh training like at the minute what are you doing so my training actually doesn't change very much okay. um, between kind of off-season and prep. So I'm six weeks out from British finals just now. Oh, nice. Um, and the only thing that will really change is how much kind of cardio I'm doing, to right. be honest. So at the moment, what I do is I two days a week, I'll do a kind of double session in a day. And then the other four days, I'll do a single session. So what, what I mean by that is say on a Monday I'll do like some accessory work in the morning so maybe some shoulder work some ab work and then in the evening I'll do like a leg session mm-hmm. yeah. a back session on a Tuesday um, on a Wednesday it'll be like a hamstring kind of calf session on a Thursday it'll be a double again so some light accessories usually a bit of shoulders again bit of arms and then um, a back session in the afternoon rest on a Friday and then quads on a Saturday um, so it is it is quite a lot I mean that changes as well as I've got older I've got a lot better at listening to my body or trying to Yeah. and if I'm going in and something just feels terrible I would just I'll either change it or I'll just not train that day um, and I used to be one of these people that would be like right it's Monday got to train legs even if my legs felt terrible I was knackered and I was going to have a bad session, but that 100% used to be me. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've all been there <laughs> to some extent. 100%. Um, so, yeah, no, it sounds like you're quite a, I would say, quite an advanced lifter, especially if you're going like twice a week and maybe like four to six days a week. You've kind of had your years in the gym um, <clears throat> yeah. and got quite a bit of experience under your belt. Um what would you say? So, how long have you been competing for? So, I think my first show was three years ago, I think, and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> how was that? <laughs> um, I had a coach for that prep who was great. He's not my coach now, but he was great. Um, but I was just very naive and clueless and didn't kind of watching a show and doing a show are very different things. Oh yeah, 100%, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, and the kind of emotional fallout, I guess, after my first show was quite intense as well. I is, that quite difficult. Is that expected? Like, was you expecting that? No. Because, so it should not, before Just before we go into it, um, kind of, can we go into like what that is? Because I'm not, I don't think, unless you've competed, I don't think a lot of people know what that kind of is. What, what's that like? I don't fully know because I've never done it. So it's, it is quite difficult to explain. And I think especially like my boyfriend found it quite difficult um, to kind of rationalise in his head when I was going through it. Because to him, I'd just done really well. I still looked great. And now we could go out for dinner. Surely everything was fine. Right. Yeah. But I think if you take it from a different perspective 
it's almost like you've been like revising for your final exams or you've been working really really hard towards whatever goal it is and for months that's kind of been your life and every day what the things that you're doing and the boxes you're ticking are getting you a little bit closer so even if you're tired and you feel a bit crap you're like well you know I've done all these things and in a couple of weeks time I'm gonna look my best I'm gonna have the best day because it's the best feeling competing it's amazing um so this is going to be worth it and also every day you look in the mirror and you're like yep yeah, look a little bit better you know lost however much weight or tightened up or whatever so you're kind of working up towards this great big top of the hill and then you get to the top of the hill you have the best day and then you sort of you get home and you wash your tan off and you take <laughs> all your makeup off and you're like I look a bit like Gollum <laughs> uh, and I've eaten too much pizza and now I look a bit crappy too and so you're, you're sort of like right okay I'll try and get back into the gym. You go back into the gym, you feel terrible because you're usually quite dehydrated. You're weak, you're at your weakest. You know, you're mm -hmm. the lightest. You've probably not eaten much the day before apart from that pizza. And your muscles are like, what have you done to me? You've made me pose for two hours on stage. We are definitely not squatting today. But anyway, you, you go and you try. So Gollum's in the gym, try squat. <laughs> you like, this is- Blonde you know, Gollum. I'm an athlete, I'm an athlete, look at me. And it feels terrible for a couple of weeks. I mean, your training really takes a while to get back to where it was. Your muscles haven't recovered. Um, although you can have a bit more freedom in your diet, to be honest, if you eat like an idiot in the next couple of days, you do just put fat on because you're primed to store fat. Yeah. Your body is starving. And it's not going to be like, yeah, let's build loads of muscle. I've put on like, you know, 10 pounds after stage and it's probably muscle. It's probably not. Probably uh, quite a lot of fat. It's energy that your body's so, crying out for, right? Exactly. And glycogen. I mean, glycogen is pretty heavy if you've got any decent amount of muscle. Yep. That all happens. And it is almost like a come down. It's, um, it does feel like getting back from a really great girls' holiday or, you know, <laughs> going out and smashing it after your final exams at school and then being hung over for two weeks. That's the kind of feeling. And it takes a wee while to work to work through that. Um, I think the things that help me now is I'll, I'll make a plan the week before my show of what I'm going to do the next week. Yeah. So I'll be like, right, okay, we're going to go out to this place for dinner on Monday, this place on Tuesday, but I'll probably stick to these meals on the rest of the days and if I want like an extra whatever protein bar glass of wine that's fine but I'm gonna try and kind of keep to these basics um I won't train these days and then I'll do something light on this day and I think one of the things that people do which I have done in the past which was a disaster is going on holiday straight away so like right done my show booking a holiday off to wherever Marbella or the worst ones like an all-inclusive oh, oh dangerous yeah. setting so yourself up some thing. dangerous territory there exactly it's like right cool I'm gonna fly off to Mexico tomorrow for this all-inclusive and you get there with your horribly deprived body and the, that and the worst thing is you don't know when you're full so mm. your hormones are all over the place so that's like Brad every day <laughs> standard <laughs> <laughs> That's my excuse. I'm gonna walk around and go. I'm I've been competing. <laughs> I've been figure competing every day. <laughs> so <laughs> he's visualizing the stage every day in his. Head. <laughs> I'm visualizing Brad on the stage now, which is even more creepy. <laughs> oh God! Early. In the budgies. <laughs> oh, I don't. <laughs> I might sign yeah, you up, mate. So, I mean, your hormones and your hunger signals that takes a wee while to normalize as well. Yeah. You do need to be a wee bit strict with yourself or you easily could eat everything and just not feel full. You just yeah. don't, you know. Everything is just that. all over the place. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. How... It's, it's, yeah. Go on. No, 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 no. I was just waffling. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to... I don't, I hopefully, don't, I'm not opening up too much uh, a can of worms here, but how 
did you, because obviously you've mentioned that you overcome anorexia. How did you manage to deal with that in terms of competing? Like, was there anything in the back of your mind going, well, this could be quite dangerous here? Because it is quite mm-hmm. on, a, you know, a very, and I'm going to kind of say an obsessive thing, like, you know, you need to be make sure that you're, you know, kind of this, 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 make sure everything's on track and whatnot. And like, how did, was you in the back of mind worried that it may cross over? Kind of how did you approach that? I think that is actually a really important issue to talk about because I think a lot of girls will go through competition preps with undiagnosed eating disorders as well. And will come out of competition preps still suffering from eating disorders and are often working with great coaches, but coaches don't have any kind of qualification in that or mm-hmm. enough enough knowledge to actively do something helpful. Telling yeah. someone to just stop binge eating isn't going to help things. No way. <laughs> it's like telling um, a smoker to stop smoking. Exactly. Exactly. And... I think for me, I had to be mentally in a really good place before I started competing. Um, And I am quite self-aware now. And part of that is, is quite scary, actually. So there's various, I don't know if you've ever read the Minnesota Starvation Study. Uh, No, I haven't read that one. So it's basically, um, it looked at prisoners of Auschwitz who had just come has survived Auschwitz and come out of very very low body weights having been starved and it basically followed them through very low calorie diets and had a look at how their brains changed and a lot of the behaviors that somebody who is starving and on low calories has is the same as somebody who has an eating disorder Mm. Um, and for me that would manifest when I was really unwell of an obsession with food um, so I'd constantly be reading recipes, reading cookbooks, being really secretive about eating, eating on my own, um, hoarding food, all of that kind of behaviour. Um, and it's funny, but if you do get to a certain point in a prep, you can see people doing that. Yeah. So you can see bodybuilders kind of like, you know, it's half past 12 and take your Tupperware over there. Or all of this food porn on Instagram, and you look at who's producing it, and it's this like, you know, very very lean individual that's constantly looking at these pictures, and it's it's those kind of habits that I think you need to be aware of. In myself, I am very good at recognizing that now, and I've always said if I felt like that again, that's where prep stops, yeah. because it's not it's not worth going back there. You know, I've been there. Yeah, but think at the moment the way that it's going is often people are almost justifying their eating disorders through a prep because you can easily hide it yeah i hear that a lot easily hide it and be like oh i can't have gluten dairy and i can only have three almonds because you know i'm on prep and you can normalize it and that is pretty dangerous in my eyes because what happens at the other end you know who's going to look after these people um, and I think that is something that's going to need to be thought about going forward. Yeah. Do I, you think? Go on. I was just going to say, do you think like, I have no idea how the like figure competition and bodybuilding federations work. I've literally clueless about it, <laughs> but do you think they need to, like, do they offer any support post show for people? Or do you think they need to start thinking about that? Because it seems like a lot of people, like you just said, almost normalise an eating disorder through their prep. Um, so do you think like they need to take some responsibility on to even just point people in the right direction if they feel like that way after a competition? I think that would, I mean, that would be ideal, but I doubt the federations would be equipped to do that. I think the best way forward is for coaches to be either yeah. educating themselves making sure they're happy to take on a prep client knowing that this is something that can happen Mm. and not being afraid to reach out to GPs, doctors and help these people Mm. if if they are worried about that. 
because mental health in, in any competitive sport is a pretty big thing. If you look at top level runners, you look at top level cyclists, boxers, a lot of them around the time of a competition will go into quite quite a dark mental place. Um, I've got friends that compete in various sports, including MMA, and before a fight, they will go into quite a dark mental place for a couple of weeks before and a couple of weeks after. Yeah. And you're pushing your body and your mind to do things it doesn't want to do. Whether that's getting into a ring and getting beaten up, or whether that's, you know, sitting in bed being cold and hungry and then getting up to train and lift heavy weights the next day, it's not a natural thing to do. And being able to work with somebody through that and do it in the healthiest way, I think is the challenge that we're facing. Yeah, it is. I suppose, as you said already, from your point of view, you've got a bit of a, an addictive personality. And, you know, I've never really, I've never touched into this, the whole, you know, competing uh, um, side of things. But from what I see, it does, a, a vast majority of people who do compete for shows do tend to have uh, addictive personality traits and mm-hmm. like I feel you know this is just my opinion that a lot of people are in there purely for that reason that they do like do you yeah. feel like you know what's your thoughts on are there a lot of people who are in there and do have mental health issues in relation to food and like what you know where is it going essentially like are people just that do you kind of know what I mean um I do I think are you shaking your head (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to figure out what the question was in my head but I couldn't figure it out but maybe that's because it's early morning (laughs) um that's a really good question yes I think for myself if I'm being honest I will always be addicted to something. For yeah. instance, when I ran, I ran very, very well. I had a one twenty one half marathon. You oh, know, Jesus. I, yeah, I was I was good. Um and I've always done everything to the extreme. I've never been able to be like, right, I'll do a little bit of this. I think the problem now is mind management. So if you look at a lot of bodybuilders, a lot of them have come from not all, but backgrounds where they've been bullied or they've had some quite dramatic experiences. They've had yeah. things they've failed at in life before. And now this is something that they can channel all of that anxious energy into and manage yep. their mind and through their body. And although that can be helpful, what is the difference between being addicted to that and the, the guy down in the casino spending his pension yeah Where, where's the difference this is addiction is something that i think affects a lot more people than want to speak about it yeah and the way that i viewed it with myself like i'm the kind of person if you told me broccoli was bad for me i would be eating kilos of broccoli and hiding it and you know i'm i'm very like all or nothing and i get very hooked on things And now I'm quite good at stepping back and assessing myself and thinking, right, okay, we need to take a break. We need to write this down and get a plan together, speak to my coach if I feel I'm getting too into whatever. But I think in terms of bodybuilding and addiction, the question is, do these people have issues they haven't worked through that they're trying to escape through this? That's the argument, right? Yeah, exactly. And what are the alternatives to some maybe something a bit less stressful because it's not a long term, not a long term solution. No. uh, To any problem, but is that better than them being addicted to drugs? Is that better than alcohol? You know, what is what is going to be? What's the alternative? What would they be doing if they weren't doing this? Yeah. I think is is the question but yes and I think at the moment as well the amount of stress in society addiction rates are at an all-time high across the board 
for everything, um, be that street drugs, be that alcohol. They really are, you know, our crisis teams are completely overrun at the moment. Yeah. With people, and a lot of it is behind closed door stuff. Um, Everyone's I mean, trying to escape. This this is off on a tangent, but what's what's the difference between, you know, the man on the street drinking like liters of buck fast to the successful lawyer who has three bottles of expensive wine every night? Yeah. When she gets because yeah. she has to, you know, they're both they're both addicts, um, and I think that is more and more something that I I deal with on my day to day, um, in terms of my, my patient. <coughs> And this is the this is the thing, and a lot of people don't, and I think a lot of people in in the industry don't see this that the amount of addiction there is in the fitness, and it's quite worrying the fact that when you see someone who's in the gym training seven days a week and or you know six days a week for example, and they don't have a sport that they're training for, that it's not really recognised as oh, maybe she's got an addiction or he's got an addiction. It's, oh, she's just trying to be healthy and the fact that she is, that the person is, you know, doing a sort of extreme, you know, stuff with the diet, it's not really seen as an addiction. It's 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 kind of accepted, right? Almost exactly. on a pedestal. Exactly. And because it's a healthy pursuit, these people are then healthy. But the way that we... I think one of the definitions of addiction is doing something despite physical harm um, and continuing to do it. Doing yeah. things despite when your peers have told you that maybe that's not a great idea. And also doing things that can actually have quite a negative financial benefit on you and pursuing these things above all else. So it is like that itch that you can't scratch. So for often for these people you know even though they're so tired they'll have to go to the gym because yep. they will feel so bad about themselves if they don't go that what else will what behavior will take that place what will that mean will that person then go and get really drunk that night will that person then spend you know all night on bet breads betting on horses what else is gonna are they gonna eat like 10 dominoes like, what is going to take that place? Because they've got something there they need to feed. Yep, yeah. And it's, it is an itch that they can't scratch. And how are they going to deal with that next time it comes around? Because it does. It's not something that just goes away. It's something you get better at recognising, feeling it there and thinking, right, okay, not today. Like, not today, we're not doing that. yeah. This is still getting very dark for Sunday morning. It is, right? <laughs> it is. Um, but no, I'm probably enjoy like really appreciate your honesty in this because it's not. I think it's, they're all topics that people can shy away from talking about. Yeah. Um. So no, it's just great to have your view, especially someone who's had like first-hand experience of competing, and you've gone through kind of that roller coaster of before, during, and after a competition. You know exactly what it's like. Um. So no, it's great to kind of open up and chat about it. I just, I just want to add. Um, I suppose, does it make your, does it make your job a little bit easier in a way if because you've been through something similar yourself, and when you have patients walk in, you, you, I suppose you're in a position where you can go, I totally know where you're coming from. Yeah, I think it does, especially when you get. Because often, I think often for a lot of patients I work with, I mean, we, we all, we shouldn't do this, but we all judge on appearance. Yep. And they kind yep. of think, you know, she's a nicely presented young girl. She's probably not had any problems. I am an overweight, middle-aged man trying to lose weight, trying to stop smoking and trying to stop, you know, these unhealthy habits and have a better life. How is she going to understand? And if you can actually speak to them a little bit and obviously I don't use personal experience but talk about coping strategies for somebody that does want to stop smoking somebody that does want to not go to the takeaway every night and things that have worked for me and actually that comes across quite well and just being really down to earth with your patients always yep um people feel better and get 
better results from a doctor that just listens mm -hmm. than any packet of pills will ever give. Um, and again, it comes down to the time thing because we don't have enough time. But yeah, that is that's where the therapy is is being there. You know, having having a doctor there. Um, and I know that the way medicines go and they're trying to make everything electronic. I've seen a ward round where the consultant was like on an iPad. He was Skyping from abroad and the nurse was wheeling around his iPad to talk to the patients. And he was like, good morning, off this iPad. And this old lady was lying in bed like, hello, doctor. <laughs> so, I mean, we are going toward a technology-based environment but actually where the therapy lies with anyone is the time and the listening and learning to listen and learning to use your experiences in a positive way um i think that you know your your mess becomes your message at the end of the day yeah as they say if you don't learn from the stuff that you've messed up then you've not learned anything that is exactly it like that cool um before we move on to random questions is there anything else that you want to kind of delve into really briefly or anything that you're dying to get off your chest i don't think so um i think we've covered most things have i convinced you to you know delve into a figure competition yet no no well, <laughs> I, I think chris is as i said chris what? As as I mentioned uh, before, you know, talking to Rosie prior to the podcast, Chris is interested in buying your bikini if you haven't sold it. <laughs> I've sold it. I've sold it. I'm so sorry. Got it. Maybe that <laughs> that's you sold it to Chris. <laughs> Chris just <laughs> created a fake account just to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I can see the draw to doing a competition because I can imagine like it's an amazing high and it's an amazing achievement to kind of work towards a goal for such a long period of time and then kind of feel that reward and see all your hard work pay off. But I think I enjoyed food too much, if I'm I honest. Think, I think for anyone thinking about keeping saying, the advice that I would give is fall in love with training first and get yeah. really strong and love training because that is what's going to be left at the end of your show when there's nothing. Yeah. And you feel um, get yourself in a good place mentally and physically before. So, you know, no problems with food and a healthy appetite, good hormone levels. Get a coach that has prepped people before. And also, it's quite useful. My coach, Tony Pang, is an amazing guy and he has done lots of shows and he's been through the mill with the ups and downs and he knows what that feels like. And yeah. for me, that's really helpful. So, get a prep coach who's probably competed I think is also something good and don't be afraid at any point to think do you know what this is not beneficial to my life I'm not a failure if I, if I stop this doesn't mm. matter like sort my Instagram account you know who cares this is the rest of my life and this is my body I think a lot of people will persevere to a show because they feel that they've got to complete this challenge because yeah. they said they were going to even though you know, they don't go out with their friends anymore. The boyfriend hates them. You know, they're, they don't fit any of the clothes and they actually don't like training anymore. You know, yeah. you've got to really put it in perspective. It's a hobby. Yeah. It's not, nobody's getting paid for this. That's it. So, you know, those are the things that I would think about and have a plan for your post show. And that, do you know, that's the thing. I don't think I've got the mentality for it. Like, if I went in to compete and I'll just be like, ugh. I, like Chris would tell you himself, sometimes at the best of times, I just about want to train. I, I'm just, yeah. I, yeah. I, I would, I, I'm the type of person where I would, even if I am enjoying training, like, but go back to, you know, this time last year, for example, when I was training and on top of my training. I would still find any excuse not. Well, I would take any excuse not to train. If a better option come up, I'd be like, yeah, fine, like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, I've always had the thought in the back of my mind of would I ever compete and you know and I think the idea sounds great to everyone of uh -huh. stepping on stage and looking good and getting lean but reality yeah. is 
is a very small percentage of people that can actually go through the process and do it yeah. and credit to them um because i don't think it's anything i'll be able to do not yet anyway um definitely not there you go i'm gonna say never say never so who knows <laughs> maybe one day um well, you've got the bikini on the way mate <laughs> up. you're all set up <laughs> just go grow that arse of yours oh, i'm trying cut me some slack i'm trying um cool let's move on from bikinis and asses. uh let's move into random questions so we're going to throw some random questions at you okay and it's nothing too complicated nothing tri- that's going to trick you up um and then just answer it with the first thing that comes to your mind. And then at the very end, if you want to ask either of us a random question, by all means, fire away. Uh, cool. So the first one is, what are you currently obsessed with? So what are you currently enjoying, whether that's like a Netflix show, uh, a style of training, clothing, an app? It doesn't even have to be fitness related. Um, what am I currently... Oh, right. So... DK Maxx have these flavoured ground coffees. Oh, um, nice. Oh, mate. There's one that's called like peanut buttercup and it's maybe the best thing ever. So that's that's my current go-to. What, what's, what's the brand? I'm not sure. It's got some, you know what DK Maxx is like? Like they've got beer. <laughs> yeah. Just, it comes in like a black kind of bag um, and it just smells like heaven. Oh, I love those flavoured coffees. They're good. They're the best thing ever. I go and I pretend I'm getting stuff for the house and I'm just like, just bought six kilos of flavoured coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's <a> yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, okay, next question. What is What would be one food that you would choose to be calorie-free for the rest of your life? calorie free to be honest the only thing I crave in prep is alcohol so I'd probably say gin um, <laughs> I'd probably say calorie free gin and calorie free almond butter if I had to choose a food because I do love my nut butters but yeah gin not nice. great <laughs> well there's not loads of calories in it so after prep you can always exactly. fit it in um, get it down yeah <laughs> cool kind of related to that then uh after competition, it sounds like you've got a bit of an exit strategy now. So what is your favourite go-to meal after competing? I really like a nice um, a nice steak. I knew I love, you was going to say that. How? I just don't know. <laughs> Did you? I, I, was, she, I was literally saying she's going to say steak. <laughs> I absolutely love a steak, yeah. A nice rare steak. Oh, yeah. It's got to be rare. It can't be well yeah. done. Super rare and a good bottle of red. I want it moving on the plate. (laughs) (laughs) A cow, really? Just a cow and a bottle of wine, though. Yeah, I'll take it raw. (laughs) Smothering almond butter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh. (laughs) Right, so when you're training, uh, what is one exercise you hate but secretly love? One exercise I hate, I think when I get more tired in prep, it takes like there's things that I dread doing because I know it's going to be really really hard trap bar deadlifts I love after and I hate doing because the trap bar is like bigger than me so I have to walk over <laughs> the gym try and pick up the trap bar usually drop it on my foot which really hurts get it over try and get the plates on meanwhile people are looking at her like bloody hell what's she doing do my set and then after my set when I'm dead try and put it back which is also very hard so trap bar deadlifts <laughs> at least you're putting it back though not leaving loads of plates on a bar in the corner no, well i once accidentally left a plate in my gym and i got called up and made to watch the cctv back of me leaving my five kilo plate on the floor <laughs> what <laughs> what gym is this <laughs> so it's like that, crime watch <laughs> yeah like, have you seen this woman <laughs> i was like yes that's me <laughs> Have you? Oh wow! Have you seen this woman? Usually found in gym bars. <laughs> I know. He's like, that's a hazard. This tiny little place. Okay. Wow. Oh, they great. should uh, take a trip to the gym that I go to and train out of sometimes. And there's just plates and bars and dumbbells everywhere. 
I feel like yeah. some people just finish their set and go, oh, I'll do, see you later, bye-bye. Yeah, oh. yeah, definitely do. Yeah. All the time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, it's the worst part is, and the people that I dislike the most, is someone who loads up like a, a barbell with like a few plates on each side or a landmine with like loads of plates on it and then just leaves it. It's like, yeah. I, I have some respect for other people in the gym. I don't yeah. want to spend time taking six plates off a bar. And the thing is, if you go in, a lot of people, if they see that, especially people who aren't that strong, you know, um, they'll look at it and go, I'm not even going to use that because I don't yeah. want to struggle to take that off because I'm going to look like a donut. 100%. I've seen girls walk away from the leg press because they think, bloody hell, there's four plates aside. I am not taking them off. And yeah. then walk yeah. because they don't want to go and have to do that. And that's pretty awful. And the guy that was on there before did like sets of three and a lot of grunting and then just left. <laughs> and a you lot know? of sweat. More yeah, grunting than moving. Anabolic grunts. <laughs> <laughs> that's the new name for it. <laughs> cool. Uh, fifth and final question then. So you've had a few gins on the weekends. You've woke up the next day with a little bit of a hangover. What's your hangover meal? Your hangover. ultimate. You can have anything. So there's a wee place just near us, which is like a kind of tandoori grill place. They do the best mixed king kebab like you've ever had. So it comes on this like great big naan bread and it's kind of got like sheesh, it's got donor, it's got chicken. Ooh. Yeah, really, really good. This amazing garlic sauce and yes. diet coke. And that was me. Oh, Sorry. this is what, oh, next yeah. trip, mate. That's where we're going. Oh. <laughs> well, we're going to Scotland just for the kebab. I will tell you, it is the best kebab you will ever have. Yes, I love a good, good kebab. I was actually having this conversation <laughs> in the gym the other day, and someone goes, "Oh, do you know, one thing I can never eat is a donut kebab," and I'm just like, I'm secretly like drooling. I'm like, mm, <laughs> I love a donut. And, I know what I'm having for dinner. Yeah, and the and like someone said, "Oh, I only ever had them on a." on a drunken night and I'm just like nah I'll have them whenever I fancy one <laughs> is this well it's just smell amazing it's that old they just always bring it back to the old story and I and I don't care like oh it's probably just like loads of shit and I'm like yeah but this this stuff that tastes the best exactly it could be an animal nobody knows See, that, I don't care <laughs> it, it, I don't care it, it tastes good so yeah um okay so just before we wrap things up do you have a question for us um do i have a question for you if you could have anyone on the podcast who would you have okay i will take this i would have i know who you're gonna say (laughs) yeah he knows i'm gonna say the rock oh Oh, that's not who i thought yes yeah um i'd have to have the rock on because he would be brilliant and I think I would love, honestly, I would love to talk about his journey of, and I know he's pr- pretty much spoke about already, um, but I want to ask questions that no one's really asking, like, how did he How did he manage to have, like, only, what, 10 or left in his pocket? And, Seven bucks. Yeah, and now become a multi-millionaire. Like, what did he do? How did he push through and... Yeah, that sort of stuff, and and also, how many drugs has he taken? I, I just want to know. <laughs> I'm gonna guess a lot, given that he came from wrestling. Yeah, he's so freaking but, huge. Yeah. Curious to know, like, how does he get? How does he do it? Yeah, so that's my one. Nice. Do you know who I thought you was gonna say? Who? I thought you were gonna say the body coach. Oh no no no! no. Oh. He'd be cool. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's who I had you odds on to yeah. say. I'd love to. I'd love to have him on, but the Rock is just old. Man. Yeah, the Rock trumps that. I'd go for yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I don't know how I can match that now. Um, <laughs> shit. Who Kevin would Hart I have as well? Get him on at the same time. <laughs> Kevin Hart would be interesting because I know he does uh, does fitness. I know he trains quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so Kevin Hart would be hilarious. I don't know if I would go with him though. Uh, oh, that is a tough question. I'm trying to think of someone who's not that obvious. Let me just pick someone who you want to have on. Who would you love to have a conversation with? Who would I love to have a conversation with? Anyone. They don't have 
to be fitness. I mean, what does that even mean anyway? Who is fitness? Yeah. Oh, I know who I'd like. Get that uh, just so I've started to listen to more of his podcast now. Joe yeah. Rogan. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. I think his style of interview and just from listening to loads of his podcasts lately is really interesting. So I'd love to flip it around to him and get him on and get yeah. him questioned. <laughs> Maybe oh, that'll be that'd... become a thing. What, Joe Rogan and The Rock? Yeah. <laughs> Plug. Yeah, plug. Yeah, man can dream. Just would DM slide into the DMs. Oh, why not? See what happens. <laughs> cool. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Rosie. Um, thank you for having me on, guys. It's been really fun. Thank you for kind of waking up at the crack of dawn on a Sunday morning to I do this. <laughs> <laughs> no probs. Um, and yeah, no, it's just been really fascinating listening to kind of your first-hand experience of a lot of things. And yeah, it's really appreciate kind of sharing your experiences on a number of different things yeah it's been great no it's all have a, have a great day guys you're welcome yeah. uh, just Quickly before, before we, we go, go. yeah uh, just before um where can people find you if they want to know a little bit more about you um or see what you're up to and you can plug whatever you want <laughs> so i'm mainly on instagram so rosie underscore tarbuck um and most of my stuff's on there. I don't really use Facebook, to be honest. Um, so yeah, just on there, really. There you go. Well, we'll put all the link. <laughs> we'll put the link in the description for anyone who forgets. Um, go and follow. Uh, give Rosie a follow. She puts out some good stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on, and hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, let's do it. Thanks. Well, we'll do it in Scotland next time over a kebab. Yeah. yeah. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> See you there. Right. Brilliant. Pleasure. Cheers, Rosie. Take care. See you later. Bye. Bye.